Pull? Puller? Pull-list? Welcome to Marvel's <laughs> The Pull-list. This week, guess what we're covering? We're covering Darth Vader, Deadpool, Assassin, Domino, Exiles, Humphrey Wolverine, Adamantium Agenda, Infinity Countdown, Doc Rock, Marvel 2-1, Marvel Rising, New Mutants, Dead Souls, Old Man Logan, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Punisher, Quicksilver, No Surrender, Shield by Hickman and Weaver, Spider-Man, Deadpool, Sp- Star Wars, Thrawn, Thor, The Unbeatable Scorecard, Old Venom, and X-Men. <sighs> Which X-Men? Which X-Men was Blue. it? Blue! You did it! Oh, God. Good job. Welcome again to Marvel's The Pull List. I'm Tucker Marcus, and I'm joined by my my dear, wonderful <laughs> colleague this week. Jamie Frevely. I'm here. I'm here because Ryan, Agent M, is at E3. That's right. And uh, for those of you who might be picking up the podcast for the first time, Marvel's The Pull List is our weekly show where we break down all the new stuff happening with the new releases from Marvel Comics across the universe and oh boy, do we have some really, really good stuff this week. Whew. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff in space. So the universe there, is quite large. Yes, there's a lot of cosmic action this week. And the perfect place to start with that is Darth Vader number 17. There's your Star Wars. That's right. My favorite. It's written by Charles Soule with, uh, this is interesting, the layouts of this book were done by Giuseppe Camicoli and the finishes were done by Danielle Orlandini, which is uh, something that, you know, we see every now and then in comics. And I love to see that kind of collaboration go down. Colors are by David Curiel and letters are by Joe Caramagna. This is Burning Seas Part 5. And this story is kind of coming to its climax. We've seen the action in this series going down on Moncala. There's been a lot of focus on the planet of Moncala in recent months in Star Wars comics, both in this series and in Star Wars, the main series. But this was super cool for me for one big reason. Like, you know, like, Jamie, the end of pretty much every Star Wars movie, the like third act as like we kind of jump between action scenes and sequences and it just feels like everything is happening at once yeah we're jumping between like in return of the jedi it's like the the battle with the ewoks the uh ewoks are equally terrible yes they are uh you know luke and the emperor and vader and also the space battle it's a drop and uh, <laughs> that was such the feeling that I got from this book uh, as we move towards the end of this story arc. It's really cool because there is this kind of Ronin Jedi character in here mm. and his allegiances are kind of curious and really interesting. He's kind of risen up uh, from this mysterious figure to kind of reveal himself more and more. And he's faces off against Vader himself in this story. And it is so cool because it's not like good guy, bad guy fully. It's kind of like his, he's a little bit of a murky character and uh, you know, he takes on the inquisitors. He takes on Vader. Uh, there's a ton of huge, crazy action art. It is the scale that we've come to expect from Charles soul in his Darth Vader series. And uh, yeah, it, it's another little chapter in the the story of, of the power of the Mon Calamari and the Mon Cala and what they mean to the rebellion. So yeah, another great issue of Darth Vader. Sounds cool. Yes. Is uh, my Captain James T. Kirk been to any of these places? Because they don't sound very uh, familiar to me. Really. Moving on. Moving on. We have Deadpool Assassin number one, written by... Cullen Bunn, penciler Mark Bagley, inker John Dell, color artist Edgar Delgado, and lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. It's more Deadpool, and I don't know if we can ask for much more than that. 
It's got Deadpool versus ninjas, very energetic, and it's a really good companion piece to Scotty Young's new Deadpool, different in all the right ways. Yeah, it's really cool to pair this up with the most recent Deadpool number one, like you said, from Scotty Young and Nick Klein, because that is taking Wade Wilson in a totally new direction from what we've seen recently with Jerry Duggan's incredible landmark run. And... This series is completely different to that one. Again, it's so cool to see Colin Bunn take on this character. He knows Deadpool very well. He knows Deadpool better than most. And it's, like you said, it's freaking Deadpool and ninjas. It's freaking Deadpool and ninjas. Are you kidding me? And, yeah, and it's got your classic Deadpool violence where he's walking around with what should, really should be a mortal wound, yeah. but it's Deadpool, <laughs> and it's, he's going to be fine, but he's going to walk around with it, and we're not going to be able to ignore it. So you get all your favorite Deadpool action. Oh, yeah. The next book is another mercenary assassin. Oh, it's our uh, girl. Oh, yeah. It's I believe this is a POTW. Oh, it is. This is my pick of the week. This Ring is... the bell. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Yeah. This is my domino number three. Domino number three. Please take the reins. Oh, this is thank all you. you. This is all you. Written by Gail Simone, art by David Baldione, with Anthony Piper this week. Colorist Jesus Abertoff, letterer VCs Clayton Cowles, and the cover artist Greg Land with Frank Darmada. And Domino's story continues by first going back a little bit. We're going to find out where Domino came from, what's her past like. It's not good. I'm mm. just going to say <laughs> that. And I have been clamoring over um, wanting to see a, a Marvel cat, my dream, yes. my dream comes true. There is a cat. <laughs> it's really cute. Frankly, I'm very worried. The, I'm very yes. worried about the cat. Yeah. We've had some great Marvel dogs. There's a Marvel dog in another pick of the week this week. I'm not going to spoil yes. that one just yet, but it's coming up later. But meanwhile, Domino, when we last saw her, she thinks her friends have been blown up. This picks up where that left off. So we're going to find out what has happened to Domino's friends and... As usual, David Baldione's art is oh. it. Oh, it's just David Baldione is my friend on Twitter, <laughs> and I adore his work. It's so vibrant. It's intense. Like the facial expressions, Domino's face in this, just like she's not doing well, and it is written all over her face. So, um, yeah, this is my pick of the week, and I'll be talking about it more on this week in Marvel. Oh yeah, the, for me, like. When I read this issue, I just thought of it like because, like you said, it jumps to the past. We get some awesome action in the present. It's like balances that action and the humor and the tone of Domino so perfectly. It just said to me like this is a master of the medium in Gail Simone. Like she knows how to write comic books unlike anyone else. And it is so, so good. Next up is Exiles number four. And that's right. It's one of Ryan's picks of the week, which is written wonderfully by Solid and Ahmed. It's good since this is a first in a Solid and Ahmed double dip. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Pencils on this book are from Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by Joe Caramagna. There are two books this week that I wish Ryan was here to talk about because I feel like only he can make sense of them and only <laughs> he could do justice to them. And Exiles is the first of those two because they are just so insane. Bonkers. Yeah, this one is like such, I love the this alternate universe that this takes place in and it draws from so many different sources and so many different kind of worlds and almost tones as well, but it, it melds together so perfectly. In this issue, we have 
Valkyrie versus colonial slave owners. We have Blackbeard Thing. Beard Thing? I like that. Beard Thing. We have Beard. Thing Beard. We have Thing Beard. Thing Beard. The pirate, a pirate version of Ben Grimm. Oh man, it is so much fun. Like I never knew I wanted that. Never knew I needed that, but I did and I do. I don't want to go too far into it and spoil it, but like there's some great 70s characters that like the art style is very old school. Yeah, it is pulled straight out of those books, which is awesome. In this issue as well, there is one of the craziest double page spreads that I've seen in a long time, maybe ever. I'm opening the, the the book up to it now. It's like a Where's, Where's Waldo, Waldo? It's exactly. of yep. action. It is insane. The amount of detail going on in here. We You can kind of follow the different heroes as they go through the fight and where they end up. You see Valkyrie jumping all over the place. You see the thing. Like we said, you see a couple of these other characters. Um, Waldo uh, doing unspeakable it, things. It, exactly. But uh, that two-page spread pretty much sums it up for me because it is just an insane book and this issue specifically is just like crazy classic marvel style action it is so much fun and then we at the end you know we make a big leap moving forward in terms of this exile story and the big bad that this team is coming up against and it'll be really really interesting to see what direction that heads in now next up is hunt for wolverine the adamantium agenda number two which is written by the incredible Tom Taylor. Much love to you down under, Mr. Taylor. Pencils by R.B. Silva. Inks by Adriano Di Benedetto. Colors by Guru EFX. Letters by Josebino. This is a really interesting take on the Hunt for Wolverine story. We've, Of course, we know this is kind of a four-pronged tale. This is just one of the four of this Hunt for Wolverine series. Uh, and they each have a very distinctive tone, but this one kind of goes into a super interesting direction right from the start because it doesn't just talk about Wolverine himself. It doesn't just talk about where he is now, but it's also talking about literally his body and what his body means and what kind of weapon his body could be for the bad guys and literally his DNA, which is a super interesting take because that kind of touches on another book this week in a really interesting way. And we'll get to that in a bit, but this is a crazy kind of take on the weapon X and how truly he is a weapon and how he his just his physiology and his makeup can be used to devastating ends for, you know, good guys, bad guys, whoever might come across his body. And so not just, you know, the heroes in this story aren't just uh, looking for him today to try and find out where Logan is now and what happened to him, but they're also looking for him as kind of a preventative measure to make sure that he doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And then, uh, you know, after we get this great flashback, then the the main story takes place in a submarine, (laughs) which is awesome. Of course it does. Uh, I love it so much. There's this great Tony Stark kind of bidding scene where he's just throwing around his dollars and it's very fun. Uh, And then as we move into the kind of third act of this issue, a couple of big, big characters show up and on good side, bad side, I'll leave it up to you, dear listener, to find out, but it is going to really ramp things up with the adamantium agenda and it's really, really cool 
kind of forward momentum that we have coming out of issue number two, um, moving towards number three. Really nice, ominous looking cover, too. Oh, yeah. Viscerally, not bloody, but just like upsetting. Yeah, great, yeah. great cover by Greg Land and Rain Barreto. Wicked, wolvy, classic wolvy action. Next up is Infinity Countdown Darkhawk number two, written by Chris Sims and Chad Bowers. Artist Gung Hyuk Lim. Letterer VCs Travis Lanham. Cover artist is Scan with some variant covers by Mike McCone and Rachel Rosenberg. So, Infinity Countdown Darkhawk. This is drawn in a manga style, and it's a very 1990s esque kind of hero. Yeah, it's really cool. Darkhawk is kind of, um, I don't know, He's he holds a really specific place in the Marvel Universe. I think his first appearance was in 1991, and he had a series, there was a Darkhawk series that I believe went 49 issues, and then as part of Marvel Legacy, there was a Darkhawk number 50, I think 51 maybe, that picked up, and then I, I think people loved that so much, and they loved the kind of different spirit that Darkhawk brings to things, and so uh, he's been thrust into Infinity Countdown in such a really cool way here. This journey continues this four-part limited series. The Raptors are involved, Darkhawk himself, obviously, but things are slowly being revealed about how he ties into the larger Infinity Countdown story and where this limited series will push things as we move forward. But it's going to be super, super interesting to see this very specific hero touch on things moving forward. And speaking of super specific, super idiosyncratic Mm -hmm. characters, we have Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 1 and... That's right. Every time a rings, an angel gets its wings. This is Ryan's other pick of the week. And uh, unlike the Marvel 2-in-1 story that Chip Zdarsky, the writer, has been telling recently, the two in the one being the thing and Johnny Storm, the human torch, this issue is super cool because it's kind of a team-up book between the thing and the infamous Iron Man, which is really, really cool. I mean, obviously... Ben has some big issues with old Vicky, and those things uh, will never go away. Their history is so kind of deep and damaged and difficult uh, and other alliterative Ds that, you know, it's kind of impossible to recover from. So while they in this story are kind of on a, a mission together, they'll always have that conflict. And that makes for such a fun, such an interesting story. The art in this book is by Declan Shalvey. And the colors are by the wonderful Jordi Belair. This is great because we start with a flashback, a flashback to Latveria years and years ago. Back um, when Dr. Doom was called Vicky. That's right. A little young Vicky, a little prepubescent Victor Von Doom, who's like fighting with a bow staff and he's getting taught how to be a man. It's Aww. it's great because that thread of Victor Von Doom's, you know, strange and difficult childhood follows through this entire story and we see little moments where we can feel his origin and his family and his upbringing influencing his decisions in the present day but of course we're in this kind of alternate universe reality jumping story here and in this issue the thing and the infamous iron man go to an alternate universe 
Latveria in the present day and they meet up with an alternate universe, Victor Von Doom. Things get crazy super fast. It's really cool to see Victor Von Doom interact with himself. It's really cool to see that kind of two sides of the same coin doom happening here because, of course, infamous Iron Man at least purports to be a good guy, whereas this alternate reality uh, Doctor Doom is very much the classic Doctor Doom that we've known for decades. So they face off. Ben Grimm is stuck in the middle. It's really, really cool, immense journey into the past, into the mind of Doctor Doom, into his makeup. And, you know, really for me, this is just another entry into the the incredible, you know, the litany of works that Chip Zdarsky is building up. He, with the two-in-one series, is proving that he is really, really one of the best out there. And, and uh, I loved this story a lot. Definitely a more effective two-in-one than a shampoo and conditioner. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know who doesn't need that? Ben Grimm. Ben Grimm does not need that. You don't need to shampoo, conditioner, rock. Okay, next up is Marvel Rising Alpha, number one. Writer Devin Grayson, artist George Duarte, color artist Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Clayton Cowles, and the cover is by Guru Hiru. Very exciting. So Great cover. Super fun cover. Building up to the Marvel Rising movie coming later this year. Here is a series that can get you just as excited. Doreen Green, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. Teaming up, introducing some new characters, getting into some of their usual adventures, and, you know, just being two girls hanging out. Yeah, it, it's really cool because... This issue kind of put these two characters in a new light. We see them in a different way. Certainly, Doreen, we kind of are introduced to her in this story in a really interesting way. But really why I loved it so much is because for me, and I think for probably a lot of readers, I don't want to speak for everyone, but Squirrel Girl is so Ryan North and (laughs) Erica Henderson. Like I think of them just so inextricably linked to that character. And when I think of how that character is visualized. I think of Erica Henderson's art. When I think of how that character is written, I think of Ryan North's comedy and his his tone. And similarly with Kamala Khan, when I think Kamala Khan, I think about G. Willow Wilson. And I think about the kind of iconic tone and characterization that she's brought to that character, a character that she co-created. So it's really awesome to get the opportunity to see these characters pulled out of those stories and given a a new light and, you know, written by a new writer, illustrated by a new artist. And it's just, it it works so perfectly and it it really makes you re-realize the power of these characters because they can exist in so many different stories. They can exist in so many different tones and for so many different kinds of readers. I really loved this issue. I thought it was so much fun and yeah, like you said, it made me crazy excited for mm-hmm. for the movie. Yeah, Completely. the art's beautiful. The colors are so bright, and I just you know <laughs> when everybody looks so sweet to look at, I just love it. And you know what? When I think things are sweet to look at, I think about kids. Don't ever want to be around them, but I like the idea of them. <laughs> and uh, there are some great. Kids, teens, in the New Mutants, Dead Souls. This is issue number four. I see one. With your buildup, I thought you were going to say something really sweet to look at was uh, fighting skeletons. Good point, because there is a great fighting skeleton cover here. It is wonderful. By the wonderful Ryan Stegman and Michael Garland. We're going to get some more tasty Ryan Stegman art later on. But the interior art 
of this issue is by Adam Gorham. Colors are by Michael Garland and letters are by Clayton Cowles. The meat of this series and what I love so much about the series is the team dynamic and the conversations that are had between these characters. They're all so idiosyncratic. They all have such specific voices and Matt Rosenberg a master of dialogue among his many, many, many strengths. That's one of my favorite things about him as a writer, whether that is in something like Tales of Suspense, which had some of my f- favorite dialogue in you know the last year of comics, or New Mutants. He can do it all. And sometimes that kind of dynamic is tied to the action going on, and sometimes it's tied to the more personal drama going on. And that's a little bit of the taste of what we get in this issue. It's a kind of... As we go to the X-Mansion and we deal with the the different dynamics going on between the different mutants here, it's a great reminder that, yeah, they're superheroes. Yeah, they're, you know, junior X-Men. Yeah, they're the new mutants. But they're also people and they're also kids. And uh, he captures that spirit so well because, you know, they don't manage things like adults would you know they 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 manage things like these real characters would they deal with these kind of interpersonal issues that pop up in their own ways and it you know shapes up for this to be you know one of the most intense issues yet despite you know the fact that we've seen crazy like undead zombie stuff going down and and there is certainly a lot of action in this but like i said a lot of it just comes from that interpersonal stuff and that is something i really adore no matter what the comic is and we get uh, we get it by the bucket full here in new mutants dead souls very cool so speaking of mutants and dead souls mm. <laughs> next up is old man logan number 41 he's not quite dead yet but he's old. <laughs> he is. He's an old man now, <laughs> oh, and he's lost man. his hand. But um, he finds his hand again. That's right. That's actually what I was what I was alluding to earlier when I was talking yes. about Hunt for Wolverine and what his body means, what his DNA means. Yeah. Guess what? Someone done found his hand. That's right. And they want his DNA, and Logan's not thrilled about it. Yes. So this was written by Ed Brisson, artist Francesco Mana. Color artist is Carlos Lopez and letters by Corey Petit. And um, his healing factor is weakening, but his hand did grow back. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think that's always one of the most fascinating things about Wolverine is even when he's an old grunt, the way he is in Old Man Logan, he's still kind of functioning. Yeah, with those gray mutton chops, nothing can hold him back. That hair is never going to fall you know, out. If you could pull off that hairstyle, if you could pull off that facial hairstyle, I mean, Not that's many. all we need to know about this superhero. That's it, like a superhero ability in itself. So in Old Man Logan, Craven was looking for Logan's severed hand so he could do what with his DNA? Bad things. There are zombies in this. One of them looks like D. Snyder, which is really exciting <laughs> for me. Uh... Logan finds himself in a pretty bad situation. I always feel really bad when Logan is treated like an actual animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's literally caged in this. And yeah. it's I don't like it. He's Logan. I know he's short, but that's no reason to treat him like he's a dog. Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel terrible for him. He's been through enough. He, he, and you're so right. I, I haven't really thought about it from that angle, but that's like a ups- great point. It's upsetting to me because like I've really grown to love Logan, no matter what age or you know what issue or what whatever group he's with. I just like really dig Logan as a character, and I just feel like he's so he's so darn put upon, Tucker. He really is. Craven 
exactly like you said, puts him in a cage, okay, and then he puts him into an aeroplane, a heavier-than-air craft, and he drops him into the Savage Land. And then from there we get, like, an essentially the Craven the Hunter, Old Man Logan version of Richard Connell's 1924 short story, The Most Dangerous Game. Oh, my goodness. Ring any bells, eighth grade literature students? I didn't read anything in eighth grade. I did cliff notes for everything, including short stories. I was a terrible student. (laughs) Uh, So Craven drops him into the Savage Land, and not only does Logan have to deal with the crazy beasts and things that are down there, but he also has to avoid getting hunted by the hunter. And it is a wild, awesome story that I really, really liked. And, you know, at the end of the day, it could be epic and you couldn't just em- embrace how crazy and cool it is. But also, I definitely feel what you're saying. It's like, poor this poor dude, he doesn't get a break. <laughs> I just want him to go on vacation and not to the savage land. Yeah. I mean, just so where he doesn't have to go battle something. You know you know what is a, is an issue out this week where not, you know, not a lot happens. The character's just kind of chilling out max and relaxing all cool. Um, and, you know, it's just very relaxing, easygoing story. Is Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, and number 305. Just kidding. That does not happen. Oh, no no, no <laughs> one's chilling in Spider-Man? No, not at all. Things are unsettled. Things are bad. Well, then it's a good thing they're Spider-Man. That's right. This is written by Chip Zdarsky. We had a couple of double dips this week, and this is a double dip Chip. He did uh, Marvel 2 and 1, and of course he's coming back with the incredible series that is Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. I love it so much. Before he, you go on, Double Dip Chip sounds like a great cookie. Double Dip Chip is trademarked by Chip Zdarsky himself. He talks about it often on Twitter whenever he has more than one book oh, out cool. on a given Wednesday. Sometimes I've even seen uh, Triple Dip Chips and Ooh. maybe even once or twice Quadruple Dip Chips. Hardworking man. He is a hardworking man. He's, Good for you, Chip Zdarsky. He's incredible. Uh, the art is by Adam Kubert. Colors are by Jason Keith and Andrew Crossley. Letters are by Travis Lanham. Peter and his crew, his crew of nitwit misfits, including Jay Jonah and Teresa and uh, the rest of his kind of team that he's, you know, like Wizard of Oz, like assembled in this journey that Chip has taken us on. They're stuck in an alternate timeline and they're trying to get back. And it's really, really cool because they team up with a few heroes in the process. I'm opening a page here. There's a beautiful, gorgeous, bearded, alt-universe Captain America. Oh, yeah, there is. Yes. I uh, saw that. Uh, wonderful. It's it, it's a great juxtaposition of facial hair between that beautiful Auburn, <laughs> you know, delicious beard. You it's know, a nicely groomed beard. Yeah, compared to Jay Jonah's like weird, you know, pencil-y mustache every time it's like a memento i need to tattoo it on myself yeah. that jameson is now is now cool with peter parker yeah and like every time i see him i'm like oh what kind of problems oh, get that spider-man he's I know. a menace i know it's like he's not he's not he's he's trying to help i know it, it's really cool and, and and that really speaks to the work that chip has done over the last jeez, oh, i don't know maybe I think he's done probably something around 12 or 15 issues of Spectacular so far. But not only are JJ and Spidey on the same side in this story, but like it feels earned. Like you could really feel that, yes, they have their differences. And yes, Jonah has his problems with Pete and with Spider-Man, but they're still working together. They still have some common goals. They've been through a lot together uh, in this story. And uh, it 
it feels right in all the kind of wrong right ways. I don't know, but it just works as uh, the group kind of works together to force themselves out of this timeline and back to their their the regular one. It's so good. It just I feel like it kind of is encapsulated in the title where it's like this series and the recent trials that Pete has been on are teaching Peter Parker about Spider-Man in really interesting ways. And uh, certainly with the personal element that has been brought in with Teresa, definitely teaching uh, the hero Spider-Man more about the man in really, really new and exciting ways. Uh, And that's tough to do with such a storied character. But Chip, yet again, is crushing. Awesome, awesome character evolution. That's right. Which brings me to our advertiser this week, which is Sideshow, the incredible Sideshow. I love their stuff so much. And if you're looking to assemble your own team of Marvel collectibles, Sideshow has you covered with a wide selection of premium Avengers figures and statues. These luxury collectibles capture the iconic presence of heroes like Captain America, Black Widow, Iron Man, and more in a variety of formats to suit any display space they are some of the coolest things out there. Hulk out your collection or add Thor if you be worthy and customize your Ultimate Avengers lineup. Visit sideshow.com slash Avenger to begin assembling Earth's mightiest heroes today. Thanks again to our advertiser, Sideshow. So next is Quicksilver, No Surrender, number two. Written by Saladin Ahmed, another double dip. Artist, Eric Wynn. Color artist Rico Renzi with C. Brunner and letterer Clayton Cowles from VC. Really, really cool color. Let's talk about this right off the bat. Let's remember also Quicksilver is super fast. He is running at a speed that is superhuman. Yeah, it's even faster than his normal super speed. He's kind of stuck in like super duper, super, super speed. The artist is interpreting his speed as he is the only thing that's in color. Yeah. And it's a really, really interesting thing to look at. The colors remind me of being like 10 years old in the early 90s. And everything was black and white and neon colors. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's like bringing me back to like slouch socks and bad leggings. <laughs> but in a really fun way because it's really dynamic the way Quicksilver is getting to move. Because he gets to move all by himself in his mm. own little like speed zone. The art is really incredible. It, it really looks unlike any other book. But yeah, like I said, he's kind of stuck in like a time warp, time super fast speed where he's going, he's traveling so fast that essentially the world is stopped around him, you know, to a degree even greater than what he's normally used to. And he's kind of up against some creepy, mysterious forces he's trying to get a handle on including an evil version of himself, maybe? It is a really, really wonderful, slow reveal that we're getting from Saladin. I do want to shout out, this issue has a turtle. I see the turtle. Always nice to see a turtle. Yeah. And his name is Mr. Dibbles. No. Pietro takes him along for the journey. And uh, He's making a turtle's dreams come true. That's right. I don't even know if Mr. Dibbles realizes what's happening because he is, you know, he's stuck in time like everything else. But, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. As we move towards the end of this story, some big moves are made. And it's really, really cool because as we get towards the end, things are about, I'll just say, things are about to get really personal 
for Quicksilver in this story, and I'm so excited to see how he handles that on top of everything else he's up against uh, in this oh. series. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You saw the last page. That's my, right. My goodness. I really hope Mr. Dibbles is there for him. That's right. Uh, next up is S.H.I.E.L.D. by Hickman and Weaver. This is Chapter 6. This is years in the making. I mean, we're looking at our list of books here. Each book has the year that the series started in. Okay. Mm-hmm. This one started in 2011. Wow. And this is the sixth issue. Okay. So we've had six issues in seven years. And that's because there was a long hiatus. The book went away after issue four, and now we're back. We just read issue number five. It was crazy good, worthy of the year's long wait. And this is chapter six. It's written and illustrated by Jonathan Hickman and Dustin Weaver with colors by Sonia Obak with Dustin Weaver and letters by Todd Klein. This is the other book that I wish Ryan was here for because, uh, again, it is so ridiculously insane there is so much going on the characters and characterizations of characters that we know are so just far flung out there it is just wild i mean i'm there has been so much said about this series uh and rightfully so because it is unlike anything else the art though for me is worth the price of admission alone really there is no book that has this level of scale, this level of detail, this level of brutal, brutal imagery in this wild cosmic story with these kind of crazy, look at this, like exploded views of these like different splitting headache. Yeah. Uh, of these different characters. We journey through time and space. We see the beginning of life. We, this is many, many years in the making after all. Yeah, it really, I mean, you're <laughs> so right. It, 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 we see the galaxy from above the galaxy. There is two-page spreads that look like they must have taken like a month to illustrate on their own. And then it just keeps on coming. I mean, there really is nothing like S.H.I.E.L.D. by Hickman and Weaver. It is such a ridiculous achievement and yeah, me just essentially with my jaw on the ground is as close as I can get to doing it justice. But if you've loved this series, if you've been waiting for it to return, then this issue is worth it. Oh man, is it worth it? It is crazy. I cannot say it enough. Wow. Next up is Spider-Man versus Deadpool number 34. And the writer is Robbie Thompson, artist Scott Hepburn and Flaviano, colors by Ian Herring, letters by Joe Sabino. I don't even know what else to say about Spider-Man and Deadpool. Like, these are two of my favorite characters, and Deadpool's an old guy. This is bonkers, but in the most fun way. Yeah, this series has really embraced the kind of timey-wimey, crazy time travel. Wibbly-wobbly. That's right. Uh, everything. And- all about it. It's, it's really insane. And this story jumps into that element in a way like unlike anything we've seen even up to this point. And it's been pretty crazy before now. But this one just like throws everything into the blender and mixes it up in just the wildest, weirdest way. And it works so perfectly Against all odds, it works so perfectly with these two characters. Yeah, I feel like for this kind of comic, you're either on board or it's not your your cup of tea. Yeah, we have in this story, we have Deadpool, we have 
other Deadpools. We have Venom. We have The Thing. We have other members of the Fantastic Four. We have Vision. We have old man Pete Park. Oh, well, he made it. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, it is just an insane story. <laughs> Look at all these people. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Uh, this is just so much comic book. Yeah, it is, again, another huge achievement from the art team on this book, Scott Hepburn and Flaviano. Next up is Star Wars Thrawn number five. This is written by Jody Hauser with art by Luke Ross. Colors by Nolan Woodard. Letters by Clayton Cowles. I am really loving this Thrawn limited series because we're really just getting into the trenches of the making of a villain. But it's really important to remember uh, because Thrawn is such a legendary character in the Star Wars universe, because he's such a legendary and unique villain, I kind of go into this reading like, oh, how did Thrawn become Thrawn? And, and kind of almost reading it like as a, simply a journey to the end product of Thrawn. But what this issue in particular made me remember is like, this is Thrawn. This is Thrawn, both cause and effect. This is him being self-realized in the greatest ways. He wasn't just a product of his experiences. He forced himself onto these experiences and he made himself. That is the story of Thrawn. And we get into that in the best ways here. This issue also made me think of Solo, a Star Wars story, because there are so many different kind of underworld, little unique characters and moments, nefarious guys that are all kind of playing their own chess games against each other. But of course, Thrawn is always going to come out on top because that's just how clever he is. That's how good he is. That's how insightful he is. And uh, that's what makes him one of the best characters in Star Wars. Even when he is behind the eight ball, even when he's up against it, he somehow finds a way to to come out on the other side. And that uh, can really uh, be felt in this story. The best villains are heroes of their own story. So that's like that yeah. is exactly the 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 log line for this series. I mean, we're likely to to think of the imperial officers in Star Wars as just kind of like these faceless bad guys who are all kind of have British accents and are bad. But Thrawn bucks that concept, and he really is his own character, um, and he really, uh, you know, like I said, forges his own path. Very very cool. Love a good bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good bad guy? Speaking of bad good guys, we have The Punisher, number 226, written by friend of the show, Matthew Rosenberg, artist Stefano Landini, colorist Lee Lowridge, letterer Corey Petit. Punisher is still in the war machine suit, and he's bonkers. And my favorite thing about Frank Castle is he is very economic with his words. You're so right. He doesn't have to talk a lot. He just gets things done. And honestly, The Punisher is always my go-to bad mood comic (laughs) (laughs) because he really just, he doesn't hesitate. He knows what his mission is. He knows what he wants to do. He's The Punisher. It's basically a reflex for him to cause violence and destruction. But he's, he's in a weird spot, as we all know. He's trying to right his secret empire wrongs and are... Classic superheroes are trying to stop him from hurting more people, which he can't stop himself from doing. Yeah, it's really unique situation for him because he is on the lam. Yeah. But he's also trying to do good guy things or, you know, he's going after 
uh, Hydra and Hydra agents in this issue. But he's also, like you said, he's on the run from heroes who don't like what he's doing to the to the name and the image of the War Machine. You know, rest in peace, Rhodey. Pour one out. Um, but he goes up against so many great bad guys in this. I actually don't want to say which villains show up no, other we'll than other than yeah. Zemo, who is on the cover. But there are some really, really great uh, bad guys that show up, and they're pretty, you know, substantial enemies for 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 Frank to take on. But at the end, oh, really, really. Yeah. Really interesting twist of events. Yeah, exactly. At the end of this story, because essentially Frank has been going his own way for so long and things have been going in a very specific direction, at the end of this issue, I just want to say moving forward, I'm so excited. Uh, next up is The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 33. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number Patrick Ewing. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's written by the wonderful Ryan North. With art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by Travis Lanham. I love what Ryan does with this issue because essentially he has put together a really strange, even for Squirrel Girl, a really strange team up that she's forced to be a part of, including one of my faves of the moment, Mr. Brain Drain. I love him so much. I think it is probably the most like synthesized Ryan North character I could ever possibly imagine. And every, literally every single word that Brain Drain says, I'm just hanging by a thread because I love him so much. It is so funny. Squirrel Girl is part of that weird team up. And essentially they have to escape what is more or less like a series of escape rooms like you would go to with your friends. Like let's come up with a fun team name and go to an escape room and see if we can get out in a half hour. It's essentially that, but uh, they're, you know, of course trying to get away from bad guy. Uh, and so there's stakes. It's not just exactly. It's not just like danger for fun. Can we get our picture on the wall? <laughs> um, uh, but it's super, super fun. And, you know, even to a little degree, you can kind of jump in and see the different elements at play. Ryan, of course, with a crazy labyrinth of a mind, each issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is just an ocean of information and things to take in and things to have fun with. And this is that times a thousand because you jump in with this team on their journey throughout as they try and find their way out of the series of essentially escape rooms. And it is really, really fun to see where things go. Ryan North and the entire team on Unbeatable Squirrel Girl continually find new ways to, I mean, one, change the status quo, but also simultaneously maintain the inexplicable Squirrel Girl tone through everything. So it's so awesome to see them find these things seemingly out of nowhere, but also when you read them, you're like, oh, of course, this makes perfect sense. This is perfectly Doreen Green. This is perfect hmm. for these characters. Awesome. This is quite a pivot <laughs> from Squirrel mm-hmm. Girl to Thor number one. Thor number one, you know, last week we had a lot of really, really great num- number ones come in. And Thor number one really keeps that train going. This was, yeah, ring that bell. Ring ding, that ding. bell. Bling a ling, hing bling. Yeah. That, this one, shout out to my peeps in Philadelphia. That's bell right there. But this one's not broken. This is your pick of the week, Tucker. Oh, yes, it is. It's Thor number one. I mean, I've been so excited about this since it was announced. It's Jason Aaron. 
he has long ago solidified himself as a legend and oh man he just brings it every single time the art in this book is by mike del mundo with color assists from marco d'alfonso there is a secondary story which is written by jason aaron with art by the incredible number one amazing christian ward and letters throughout are by joe sabino this has my favorite line of the week We jump straight into the action and Thor is essentially trying to retrieve the different artifacts and weapons that were strewn across the galaxy when Asgard was destroyed at the end of the Mighty Thor series with Jane Foster and everything that went down there with the Mangog, all that insane stuff. And we jump straight from that crazy action right into this crazy action. He's in Thailand Thor's in Thailand. He's, he's He really travels all over the place in this, just looking for these weapons. That's right. And he's in Thailand. He's after the warlock's eye, which has fallen to the disciples of Sitarak. And when we hear that word, we think of one mm-hmm. bad guy in particular, and that is Juggernaut. That is the first immovable object that the unstoppable force of Thor is forced up against in this brand new series it is still so funny it's still so upbeat it moves yeah it moves so fast it is so so good and my favorite line of the week this week is thor it's narration he says i had hoped i could reclaim the eye from their temple without too much bloodshed we turn the page and we get a beautiful (laughs) look at juggernaut which it's revealed that that's who he's going up against and thor just says hello bloodshed (laughs) Uh, It is so stupid badass and the art throughout is incredible. Mike Del Mundo brings it so hard. I mean, there's so many different threads to this story. Yeah, Uh, because the whole premise is that Thor is going all over the galaxy to retrieve weapons. So he ends up in some really, honestly, mundane places. Right. Those places are on Earth, of course. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're so right. I mean, I don't want to say this one character that he runs into, but he runs into him on a boat. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, there's, there's a character he runs into right before that character and that it's, uh, Thori the Hellhound. His cute little buddy. His cute little buddy. The Thori speak is like one of my favorite things to read ever. I yes. like, I love how Marvel writers make dogs speak when they're not like speaking like humans mm-hmm. because he also talks in that really regal Thor talk, but yeah. he's a dog. He's a hellhound. So it's just really funny, but he's at his core. He is still a dog and he's doing dog things. Yeah. And there's a character from the Thory scenes in the unworthy Thor that also makes an appearance. So it, it tickled my heart like yeah. with a little feather. It yeah. was really funny. Yeah. And also space sharks, space sharks. Uh, that's right. Space so sharks. There, that's in the, in the main story, in the primary yeah. story, there's uh, so much happens Thor is all over the place, like Jamie said, and the War of the Realms is coming closer and closer to just uh, boiling over. It's been happening for a while, and it's pretty much right on Thor's doorstep, and he's trying to do everything he can to prepare for it and to prepare for Malekith and his forces, but he's really up against it, especially since, as we know... Mjolnir has been destroyed and uh, so all these threads are tied in so perfectly and they end up with a wonderful story in that main story and the secondary story which has art by Christian Ward the inimitable Christian Ward we are in this kind of far-flung future and we have old man Thor Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, the caption here says 
that this story takes place untold eons from now. And he is now the old grandfather. That's right. And uh, he, there is some awesome Carcharodon Carcharii. That's right. <laughs> Great white sharks, but in space. There are um, space sharks and the old grandfather is fighting one. Uh, it is so cool. And, you know, all those incredible visuals are packed in with this amazing C.J. Ward art. Nobody does it like it's him. really gorgeous. His colors are insane. And this story is really, really gorgeous. This secondary story. It yeah, is. Really? It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's and, really powerful stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's only maybe 10, 12 pages long, but. So much is done in here, and uh, it just works so, so perfectly, including some uh, just some really just wonderful, unexpected stuff throughout. Loved it. That's Thor number one. Yeah, remember, pick of the week. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Speaking of space. And things from it. And things from space. Jamie, <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. This is Venom number two. It's written by Donnie Cates. With pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Oh, man. I mean, Venom Number 1 was a ridiculous success. I think people are so excited about Donnie. People are so excited about Ryan Stegman's art. They're an incredible duo. It is so cool to see what, I mean, we know it already. This is looks to be a landmark Venom story in years to come when someone says, hey, what what's a good Venom story? I like this character. I want to know more about him. This is the series that will be uh, will be shouted out more than any other, in my opinion. But we open up the first few pages, uh, and as we know, at the end of last issue, Eddie got uh, Eddie got messed up. Eddie is not in a great place. Not in great shape. He essentially got like the Marvin the Martian like Bugs Bunny thing where like he's just has a circle through his body but it's really cool because symbiote kind of takes to Eddie Brock in in a way that is so definitive and so personal and so gross and and gut-wrenching and awesome. It's like he's turning him inside out to rebuild him. Exactly, exactly. He Essentially, the symbiote is crawling inside of Eddie Brock to rebuild him, to bring him back to life. And this is another one of my favorite lines of the week, which is, I mean, in narration, it says, maybe that's the real story of Edward Allen Brock, the man of a thousand second chances, the comeback king. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It is so badass. <laughs> no, the way that uh, Donnie's writing describes the symbiote and the symbiote's actions and what the symbiote is feeling, it's so intimate and graphic in a really beautiful way. And it's like, uh, who does he know who has a symbiote hiding out right. in their, their basement? Seriously. <laughs> he know, he, he, it's like he was made to write this story. He's it's so right. It's so good. We, it, get, we get really cool notes of Venom or Venom. what, look, what I, uh, you know, assume Venom will touch on and things like that. It's essentially this flashback to a war story and how Venom and the symbiote and all these crazy cosmic origined uh, species came to earth and how they infected people of earth you can like feel the the soundtrack that donnie wrote this to and that ryan segman illustrated this to because it's just like 
heavy metal, yeah. uh, oh incredible, just like huge, huge, huge scale. Uh, and the colors by Frank Martin are just bonkers as well. Uh, they this, are dark but vibrant at the same time. Exactly. It's really impressive. It's like hot. It's like you can feel like heat emanating from the page. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it is um, just continues the highs of Venom number one. And as has been said many times on Twitter and things like that, Donny Cates has years of Venom stories in the bank. And uh, if this is a preview of what's to come, then, uh, you know, I'm sold forever. Yeah. So our last one is X-Men Blue number 29, written by Cullen Bunn, artist Nathan Stockman, color by Matt Mia, letters by Joe Carmagna. Oh, there's so many X-Men, Tucker. (laughs) Help me out. So this is the start of a new arc. Uh, This is The Search for Jimmy Hudson, part one. And since we start the story, Jimmy Hudson is in this bar and he's feeling a little twitchy, a little weird. There's something up with him. And very quickly, we realize what that is. And he's been infected by the poisons. And so he's kind of losing a little bit of control over his mutant abilities. And he's being kind of forced to do things that, you know, he wouldn't normally do. But it is characterized very interestingly because it feels like this man, this monster. It feels like there's this enemy within that he wants to control, but that he can't. And the Blue Mm. Squad, you know, tries to help him when they can. They, you know, might have to fight him when they have to. But it is the start of a really, really interesting new direction in X-Men Blue. Oh, this is, he's one of the craziest looking monsters I've ever seen. This is a monster that looks like it cannot be controlled. There's just so much going on with him as a monster. Yeah, this is coming straight out of the Venomized uh, story, which uh, Colin wrote and uh, was part of the the big the big year of Venom. But you know, we thought the poisons were gone. We thought Mm-mm. maybe at least they were contained, but they are very much uh, a clear and present danger via the the portal or the channel of Jimmy Hudson in this story. It's a series, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Um, Like I said, this is a great point to jump on. This is the first issue in a new arc. And uh, with that, made it through so much good stuff this week. And that great stuff all the way through is bolstered by a couple of little buckaroonies. Little one buck issues. They're the True Believers issues this week. And we have Ant-Man and the Wasp on the trail of Spider-Man number one. And Ant-Man and the Wasp, Till Death Do Us, part number one. So jump in for those. It's like it's like a less than a candy bar. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, tell us what's, what collections are on sale this week. This week we have the Astonishing Ant-Man, the Complete Collection, Dakota North, Design for Dying, Defenders, Volume 2, Kingpins of New York, Invincible Iron Man, Ironheart, Volume 2, Choices, Marvel Masterworks, Ant-Man, Giant Man, Volume 3, that is in hardcover, Mighty Thor, Volume 5, The Death of the Mighty Thor, also in hardcover. Ms. Marvel, Volume 4, hardcover. And the Thor Epic Collection, World Engine. More great stuff coming from the Marvel app this week. There's some really cool 70s action, um, including Black Goliath, which is really cool and weird. Digital collections on sale include Fantastic Four Visionary Stories. That's Walt Simonson goodness. That is about as classic as it gets. 
Make sure to check that out. Three volumes. That's right. One, two, and three. And then on Marvel Unlimited, we have the entire list of what's coming to Marvel Unlimited this month on marvel.com. So go check that out in the news section. But uh, what's coming this week includes... A bunch of great number ones, including Amazing Spider-Man Venom Inc., Alpha number one, Captain Marvel number ones from both the 1989 and 1994 series. We also have Thor the Legend. That's the 1996 series. That's number one as well. Uh, So a bunch of really great places to jump on board and get started with new stuff freshly digitized on top of all the other dozens and dozens of issues that have been added this week and in recent weeks where you can keep chugging along with great stories from throughout. Oh, man, Jamie. We did it. Quick question. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you a Marvel insider yet? Ooh. Because when you're a Marvel insider, you earn points by watching videos, reading Marvel.com, playing Marvel games, and other stuff you're probably already doing. So why not earn points when you're doing it? Then you could redeem those points for exclusive rewards. Ooh, fancy stuff. You can join at Marvel.com slash insider. But right now, if you tweet at Marvel with your dream Marvel insider reward using hashtag Marvel Insider Wish, it could become a reality. And you could earn 500 insider points just for tweeting. What's your dream Marvel Insider reward, Tucker? You know, I was thinking about this, and I feel like I would like my own Ghost Rider hog. Ooh. Yeah. It's a lot of points, but, I'll, you know, yeah. have dreams. You I want a hell dreams. bike that I can ride to hell and hang out with all the people in hell and well, do hell things. Well, just remember <laughs> to bring sunblock. Yeah. Well, well, They'll well, come with the points. I mean, that's true. What, yeah. what would you? What would you, What would your choice be? Oh, goodness. I would like my very own war machine suit just so I could go rescue dogs from bad people. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even have to do anything. you just show up. People would be scared. Yeah, exactly. Give, then give the, me the dogs. Take the nice little pup. Zoom away. Who knows what you can achieve with Marvel Insider? You'll just have to find out for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. See marvel.com slash insider slash FAQ for details. Jamie, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for taking time away from all your busy work. Uh, We're going to travel back to our desks. We are. We're desk neighbors. We are. Um, But uh, thanks thanks for for joining in on, on, that's right, pull, puller. Pullist. Is the pulliestist. <laughs> That's right. Tune into This Week in Marvel coming up later this week where we'll dive more into our picks and talk more Marvel comics goodness. I'm Tucker. And I'm Jamie. This is Marvel. Your universe.